welcome to The Worst Person in the Room. I'm Teresa Francesca, and this is part two of the episode with Joe. And just a note about where this episode begins. We took a break in recording. We took a couple of breaks in recording. And after this break, I didn't start recording right away. And he started talking about the abusive relationship he used to be in. So where the recording actually will pick up and where this episode will begin is kind of at the tail end of that conversation. So let's get into it. It's on. It's on. <laughs> no, it's you don't have to like apologize about witnessing me being in an abused relationship for four years and not knowing. Um, if anything, I should apologize because I kept trying to escape the abuse relationship by hanging out with other people or trying to find people who will like, but like you can't talk about it, right? You don't like go out of your way when you're being physically abused and then emotionally abused by your partner. You don't go out of your way to be like, by the way, I got the shit kicked out of me last night. <laughs> you don't like do that. So like if other people don't know, Honestly, the onus is like not on anybody. It's a thing that happened much like a car crash. Um, I guess you could say like some and some. There's always a mistake that is made in a car crash. Like somebody fucked up and people are hurt now. But like, it's not your fault. I didn't know how to say like, "Hey, can I sleep on your couch tonight?" <laughs> but thank you for the heartfelt words yeah of course <laughs> i um, i just i hate that i mean i hate that anyone has ever done that and you know uh, yeah, ask me more questions about how terrible i am uh yeah i can do that <laughs> oh do you ever act as the devil on someone's shoulder next question <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> Okay, so um, Mithraic rites, um, Zoroastrianism, uh, Catholicism, and Judaism as um, transitory images of uh, older Eastern religions and um, the disconnect from modern-day monotheism with ancient monotheism and what those things actually mean and what the devil as a concept is versus, like, like in a historical context and also in a like religious mythological context separated from what people say he is say that idea is today um yeah constantly <laughs> <sighs> all right as often as possible philosophy major i just wanted to know about moments when you've like urged people to if they had like some impulse that they were not immediately following mm -hmm. to like i mean obviously mine are like can buy the candle you can eat the burger mm -hmm. go go bother those guys on the beach <laughs> go say hi to them and comment on their hair how does your mohawk stay up in the ocean <laughs> go chase someone and then pretend to be a tiger when you get really close <laughs> i like that so for me it's like i i will kind of accidentally on purpose turn other people's impulses or like slight urges into I'll encourage them to turn them into a moment of entertainment for myself. <laughs> Is that what you want to know if I ever turn into a moment of entertainment for myself or, or I mean, not necessarily, but if you, 
urge on like unnecessary like impulses playful things. yeah yeah okay not like murder your wife <laughs> kidnap the orphanage hide him in the floorboards um kidnap the orphanage <laughs> the whole building Just take it fold it up um do i ever encourage people for my own like Im- um I I feel like if someone has an idea and I feel like it's a good idea, I will say we should go do that. Okay. I don't so you're I don't like to, to incriminate incriminate yourself with <laughs> I don't like I mean earlier at the start of this you asked what my themes are, one of them was bullying. Oh yeah. I don't like being made a spectacle of. I don't think anyone likes being made a spectacle of this is different than being a performer being made a spectacle of is like one step removed from um crowd shaming like what happens to people on twitter when they like make a tweet or an article comes out and it can be misconstrued or they didn't think it through i think making a spectacle of someone is one step away from group shaming um so i never encourage people to like Go like go do something ridiculous in front of people or for my own amusement. But if someone says, "Hey, I want that statue outside of the building," go get it. We we can go get it. (laughs) (laughs) Like that, like communal skull skull duggery Mm -hmm. and um, mischievousness. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, so you I start. Never send them alone. <laughs> no, I never send them alone. Um, they can't be trusted. <laughs> they can't be trusted, and also like, um, Big Bang Theory is a great example of what I'm talking about. Um, hate that show. Okay, I was like, do you mean the show or the, the show? The show. I can't stand the show. Um, I've had people, especially people, even people who like share my interests, have been like, "Why don't you like that show? It's funny." It is not funny. It is making fun of people who are Aspergic, mildly autistic, very intelligent. And enjoy a certain subsets of pop culture and like obscure culture, and that's their thing. And it's making a spectacle out of them. Why? You? It is only so many generations removed from a freak show. Mm. It doesn't look like that because it's just actors playing a part on TV. Do you want to relate? This is why it's so important that we have action heroes who are women and gay. Why it's so important that uh, Roland in the Dark Tower series is being played by an African American actor who is brilliant because representation is important. And if the only representation of a group is to be laughed at, mocked, or the bad guy, you're making a spectacle out of them. And it's just a few steps removed from Come See the Bearded Lady. Okay. I actually have a history of defending the Big Bang Theory. On Ooh, the, do you now? Not really, not based on anything you were talking about, okay. but based on the fact that it is one of very few, if any, like I can't even think of any personally, um, like a, a sitcom that introduced new characters and kept them for the rest of the the go. Mm. successfully integrated these characters like over the course of the show they, they didn't come and go women the like female partners of mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. most of the men i don't i haven't watched for the past 
I, I actually was keeping up with it a bit because it had a child-free character, and then they, and then her husband was like, "Are you sure? I want to have a little me because I didn't have a daddy." And then they made her pregnant, and I'm like, "Okay, okay." I was, I was holding onto this thing that everyone hates <laughs> because I'm like, I really did admire how well they eventually integrated all the new characters, and it's hard to get like a core cast added onto permanently like that. But I was like, no, you've you you touched you, the fucking button. I'm it out. It's really hard. Yeah, <laughs> that's um, that's really deeply frustrating. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's um, heel turns like that and like jumping the shark and um, status quo. It's kind of this, like weird reverse status quo where they take someone who was counterculture and then made them culture. It's really, um, it's really erasing. <laughs> that's terrible. Feelings, and they're all just swears in my head i i saw that show like i watched it a bit when it came out and i was just unhappy in the extreme and like i i i, I felt kind of bad about writing it off that quick so i've like tried to keep abreast of it and check in on it just like i don't think you should just make a make a call and then not check in on the call you made every now and then mm-hmm. you might just, things change um i think it's a really good example of um good writers or potentially good writers with a premise that makes it complicated to like not this is a complicated premise i don't mean like complex i mean like i mean as a white man i don't really i don't really think i have i think i have a right to say um this is spectacle and it feels uncomfortable i don't think i should be saying that when there are other groups that are in way worse space and being actively like abused and made a spectacle of and hurt every day. Um, minorities, gay, black women. Hi. Um, like, so like, I don't, I mean, I think I have a right to say it, but I don't think it's as important that I say this comedy about white nerds is dehumanizing when other stuff is happening in the world every day. It's just, it's just weird. And uh, <laughs> it's a distraction mm. from actual injustice. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> not to say it's not important. Yeah. Just, fair. Yeah. I think I think if nothing else, like maybe it will be a stepping stone towards more more white men, the nominally most powerful social group in on the planet. Um, at least in the Western world, actively noticing. Maybe there'll be another show that's similar, but um, equally popular and equally spectacle. And more men, white men will be like, oh, this makes me feel kind of bad. I don't like that. And maybe they'll realize, like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Except they don't fucking realize. No. Here's the thing. They just get fucking stuck on themselves. Yes. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> Extremely myopic. <laughs> Should I be? Want to tell me about that? <laughs> Do I get the blue mic now? <laughs> Never. I'm just gonna ask you some more questions and hope we don't get off on the Big Bang Theory. Oh, it's fine. We can move on. We have to get off the Big Bang Theory. Uh, Is that why you said stuck on themselves with such force? Because I'm stuck on the Big Bang Theory. I mean, is that why you're not sp- stuck on? No, it okay. was just. They are 
they do get stuck in themselves. They never like think, oh, this thing could also apply to other people that I'm yes. feeling now. Because I want to talk about that, not the big thing theory. It's <laughs> my I mean, life with white men. <laughs> it's exhausting. It's super exhausting, and once you recognize, like, okay, so I realize this. There's two types of. I don't want to say there's two types, but I have noticed that there are some. There are a lot of intelligent people. Some of them happen to be white men. How dare they? Mm-hmm. How dare they? I know, right? <laughs> most of them don't. Most of them, like you said, especially because they have been raised in that mindset, get stuck on themselves and don't recognize what's happening, and this applies to other people. Some of them, a super small minority, will recognize it. I won't say super small, but a minority will recognize it and start to actively fight for change. A part of that minority can't or won't. And I don't think – it's not for a good reason. There's no defense here. It's literally like, this thing sucks. I'm privileged. This thing – like, they realize these things, and instead of trying to do anything about it, they're like, well, I'm going to go drink. Time to die. Like, and they just let it exist. Like, in, I think earlier, part I was talking about that the mythology you buy into that you're fed today. Oh, that's definitely part of it. They just let the thing happen because it's taking care of them. The system itself is literally designed to bribe them with a cushy job and a nice car and a lot of vacations. And they get to take those and be in charge. So it makes it easier for them to ignore the fact that other people are suffering enormously. To the po- to the point where their problems become important and to them, and they lose sight of what is actually matters. Like people lose their mind. I, I have people. I have friends who have a lot of money and very affluent jobs, and they lose their minds when tiny things happen. And that is just proof that like drama is going to exist, man. These people aren't going to be able to actively chew the grape into the mic. They get stuck in themselves, like you said. That's a great way of saying. It. I'm just trying to, like, ramble about it because, I don't know, as a white man, I was privileged to actually, like, talk to and, like, experience other white men and see what makes them tick, and it's bleak. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. I'm going to go to some some questions. (laughs) Okay. And maybe I'll set a timer for you now. (laughs) That would be wise. I can Um, talk a lot. What have you discovered about yourself or what are some things that you've discovered about yourself that scared or alarmed you and how did you come upon them or realize them? Like about myself as a person? Yes. Okay. This is what this is about. Okay. This isn't about the Big Bang Theory. Okay. <laughs> common misconception. Uh, common misconception. This podcast is not actively about primetime TV. Um, no, it's called the worst person in the room and sometimes that's the worst person. <laughs> it's primetime TV. Um thing like that actively scared me kind of kind of how i've been i've been struggling with using the words alienated isolated or and alone mm-hmm. i don't think i'm ever alone i think i'm often very isolated and like that kind of in and of itself i don't know if scared's the right word but like Nothing anyone has ever said to me about what it was like to be young, what it was like to grow up, the thoughts they've had, the things they've wanted, or how they want, or how they live their life, 
I have I ever related to. Like now that we're getting older, I will meet people who say that now I want this stuff, and I'll like, like I'll I'll recognize like oh yeah I've always wanted something like that, like I've always wanted to be able to pursue this, but I've isolation from a very from for, for like my whole life, and like this is one of those like i realized that that's the way to kind of describe it recently, which scared me because it means I basically have 30 years of life that I have been unrelatable and unrelated to. And, like, mm -hmm. you know, you go through 30 years of life thinking, like, okay, other people have a similar internal world to me and yeah. want the things I want and feel the things I feel. They don't. Yeah. They do not. And... Even my roommate, who is very smart, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. like, I'm, I've been very stuck on that kind of thing, mm -hmm. too, honestly. Um, it's hard, right? Yeah, because I, I did for many years and then think, like, oh, like, you know, we have, like, not the same, but, like, kind of similar inner workings as other people and everything. And then it's, then people are like, oh, like, oh, they're fine doing this thing that I'm, like, ticking on the inside. <laughs> and, uh, I didn't. I remember what it's like to be a teenager really acutely. Um, and this is important to me because now I have friends who are having kids, right? And we're getting older and I don't want to, it'll happen. We'll see our friends and they'll be like, look at those kids dancing or this new style. And just like slowly turn your head to them and be like, you are a goth. Like, where do you get off judging a younger generation for their fashion choices? So I, I always try to acutely remember what it was like to be a teenager Recently, I asked some people what it was like to be a teenager, and their experience was not like mine. It's not just because of the depression. Well, like, what was your experience like, and what would they say theirs was like? Um, my roommate, who will remain nameless for now, um, <laughs> mentioned trivial things, being important, um, emotions and relationships, um, wanting uh, to do things, um, like, trivial things seeming huge. Like, she won't go with me to the dance, or, like, what if this person doesn't like me, or I chipped a nail, you know, like. I chipped a nail. Yeah, well, the th <laughs> things that you think are huge, but then you get to the adult life, and Bill's job, work, retirement, all this stuff going on. Do I go back to school? How do I get a new job? And it put like for him and I think for a lot of people that put in perspective what teenager was like and then they and then they forget how to be a teenager and what having what to a to a full adult seems like petty concerns is like I was a teenager, I was focusing on the fact that like once every thirteen to fifteen minutes a woman's raped mm. and like what it feels like to be sad. And knowing that all these 15-year-olds around me are going to be dead. And wondering, like, okay, we've already had one person die a year in this school. Who's going to be the first to die when they get out of school? Who's going to go to college and succeed? Not who, but, like, why are they going to do that? Mm -hmm. Do these people recognize, like, the things they're saying? Like, this, those were never my concerns. And realizing that those were never my concerns recently made me kind of scared. Not like in a um, per, not, not like in a John Carpenter way, but in a um, like, oh, I just assumed everyone was kind of being a petty 
jerk when in reality they literally did not understand where I was coming from. Mm. They literally had no conceptual value for where I was coming from. And I find I have this kind of other frustrating thought that, that scares me more of now if I tell people these things and they say you were right or they say like, well, you realize that now, like, no, I've known this for like 20 years. It's just now you will listen. <laughs> yeah. That's deeply frustrating and scary because that also makes you, I'm sure you're familiar with that too, makes you feel really isolated. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think just that, just feelings of that. Like I'm fine being alone. I like being alone. It's it's the idea of like having to write all this out, leave it, die unknown, and then you know maybe have a Kafka esque thing happen. <laughs> My first thought was you turn into a bug in the grave. <laughs> yeah, just crawl out. It's a good question. It's a good question. Um, I think. I think. I think. I think. That's front of my mind. I think the first thing I realized was that um, this was after the abusive relationship. And totally because of the abusive relationship, I don't like relationships. And I don't mean like I don't like that they exist. I mean like I am not the type of person who is comfortable in what would be considered a normal relationship by society standards. What would be normal? Like – um monogamous devotion with like marriage and um like we, we talked earlier about like no kids defining part of your of who you are don't want oh, children sometimes i forget that that's not a normal thing because yeah exactly I've had to like be really upfront with basically everyone i've dated and be like oh this like i'm just gonna put this on the table immediately and like if you disagree if or you're not not your disagree but you better at least be on the fence and then you're gonna end up just thinking i'm gonna change my mind you're not yeah yeah people don't get that um yeah just so that was kind of scary to realize too that like after all of this i don't even think i want to experience this the way people expect and gently the um the man who created wonder woman was in a polyamorous relationship with two women and they all live together and raise their kids together in the same household and um, one of them suggested the idea of Wonder Woman to him and he ran with it and he was a big woman's rights advocate um, well, I don't remember their names unfortunately um, any of them, one stayed home and took care of the blended family one of the women was a power lawyer <laughs> in an age where having like a woman outside the home working was unheard of a lawyer destroying cases like <laughs> whoa and then um and then there was him doing his art writing thing so um yeah wonder woman really queer background super cool love that yeah <laughs> really neat um frustrating what happened to her for three decades but men Speaking of Wonder Woman, 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 women, I'm trying to make more of them. He's trying to clone them. It is. Um, I agree. I remember watching it and um, I kind of had like the media analysis hat on. Mm -hmm. um, And I was like, oh, like I'm upset that they didn't like really subvert certain like cinematic expectations. Um, But 
but I also was like near tears in the first six minutes, like watching Wonder Woman grow up and train and be really physically active. And it was just like memories of softball. Oh my gosh, I wanted to like be a ballerina and a karate person in my kitchen and just like punching things in a tutu. <laughs> I've, I've heard other people say similar stories. So yeah. So much emotion. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm glad that is the thing um, that is finally happening. Um, oh yeah. Uh, have you ever, or, you know, have you ever recognized something about yourself through books or TV or some other media? Yeah. Um, stranger in a strange land. I never realized I'm okay with eating people. Um, Same. I mean, not stranger in a strange land part. I'm just okay. With eating people. <laughs> night, night by Cell. <laughs> oh, that was dark. Yeah. I remember that. Um, Something about myself. You just say scared me. Just something deeper about myself. Anything. Anything about myself. That yes. You didn't know before. That yes. I can't about. actively answer this with like a real example because um, reading is so. So so art, literature is a form of art. Anyone who tells you that a novel is not art is wrong. That's stupid. I hate. That. I've had people. I've had, <laughs> I've had people say that to me. They were wrong. Um, this is a problem with school systems and the school system we are experiencing and definitely a problem with like how the science minded are taught because we have a lot of people who don't actually understand the value of literature and English. Every book I've ever read has done that. Every book I have ever read has done that. Every, not every TV show or movie I've watched has done that, but every book that has not been bubblegum popcorn fantasy. I don't read bodice rippers, but bodice rippers. I don't really read like. Yeah, it's rude to rip a bodice. Yeah, it's rude to rip a bodice. They are very it. expensive. I don't read. I don't really read like sci-fi opera popcorn novels either. Um, but I've read a couple of like I've at least dabbled in one or two genres of each. Right, one or two examples of each. Um, every single thing I've read has done that has made me realize something about myself even this sci-fi novel i loathed so much i could not finish it made me realize something about myself what are some things well that sci-fi novel i couldn't finish was called fitzpatrick's war and it was a framed novel um about a hundred years later after this guy named fitzpatrick had the sci-fi war and saved the world and he was a messiah figure and then his judas figure had a journal that was like being analyzed by a famous historian of Fitzpatrick and he was refuting every point in the journal. And it made me realize that I have no patience for something that's so pretentious that it would be so blatant. And also I have no patience and also that I can't stand the blatant this is the dude's personal journal. He's not making this stuff up. And the premise of the historian was that this is all just made up and he's just full of himself and he's delusional. And Fitzpatrick's great and his Judas figure was the bad guy and this is his the bad guy talk. Like, <laughs> I have no patience for people for that kind of like clearly delusional falsehood. And a lot of people live their lives in clearly delusional falsehoods. And I don't know. I still don't know how to like deal with it. When I when I find the novel that makes me understand how to deal with it, I'll let you know. <laughs> um, the Lathe of Heaven by Ursula K. Le Guin made me realize that like 
it's okay to believe in people. How? How did it do that? Have you read it? No, actually. Oh, I don't want to spoil it for you. Oh, okay. Um, it opens, it's, 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 everyone needs to go read The Lay of the Heaven by Ursula K. Le Guin. It's one of the most beautiful books I've ever read. Um, it starts with a man named George Orr lying in a nuclear wasteland. His eyelids have been burned away. He can barely move. Um, he falls into his sleep and then he wakes up in like a bed, like in the elevator. He falls down in an elevator and you quickly find out in the first few chapters that his dreams change reality. Not like he dreamed, like he will fall asleep and dream and it will make reality different when mm -hmm. he wakes up. What he dreams becomes real. That's the premise of the novel. Okay. It's wonderful. <laughs> it's one of the best novels I've ever read. Um, at no point does he wake up like, it was only a dream. Um, if you need, like, some conflict towards the, like, one quarter to two-third point of the novel, the therapist he goes to starts, like, to believe him and be like, I can profit off of his dreams. I won't say anything else. Mm. It's really a great book. Sci-fi. Um, other things. Um, yeah, is there anything that's, like been really like revelatory and has been able to like change your change your behavior towards something or geek love by um i never finished that oh yeah so uh, actually I finishing oh i can't remember her name madeline dunn i don't know yeah it's been so many years since um that was the first book i read where i got through the first chapter and then in the second then started the second chapter and then had to go back to the first chapter to double check. Did not realize the protagonist was a lady. And that was the first time in my life I was experienced. This is why novels are so important. You experience it. You experience that person. This is the first time in my life I realized like, oh shit, my privilege is such that I assume this person is like me, even though they are super unlike me because they're an albino dwarf. <laughs> Um, and then going back and being like, and she's a lady, a vinyl dwarf woman. Oh, I fucked up so bad. Like, like realizing that and going back and like recognizing that um, the author didn't actively make it clear she was a, she was a lady through like that first chapter. Um, and realizing that was on purpose and going forward like, I read that a whole book thinking to myself, like, this is what it's like to be a woman you're erased. This is what it's like to be a woman you're erased. <laughs> and, like, this was before the internet was such that, like, it was booming that loudly to people so everyone would hear it. Like, this was eight years ago, seven or eight years ago. So, like, and it was around. You could, like, obviously it was huge, but it wasn't, like, the, the inundation of the Facebook feed was not such that you would like no matter what you did you would see stuff like that so like i went through that whole book thinking that and like that just changed a lot of how i view people and their internal worlds too has anything come into your life that has made you feel more empowered to to change or to more fully be what you are geek love actively <laughs> um i think maybe your diagnoses oh i was gonna say like you mean like an event or something yeah my diagnoses um, we were talking about that earlier. Um, having someone, so there's an ADHD scale of zero to 16 with most people exhibiting about four. Um, and if you have, I want to say 10 or 12 or better, you, you have ADHD in some way. 
um, I think it's 16 out of 16. Um, well done. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and talking about him with that, talking about the, the therapist, with the therapist about those things, the waves of it off my shoulder, it like made me finally feel like it's not my fault. This is this really hard thing people didn't even like understand for the longest time. So it's okay that you have trouble doing some things and then like focusing through. I mean, the full one of the simplest things about ADHD to explain to people is that most people can filter out sensory stimuli one at a time by most important to least important, which allows them to like do work like a normal person. If you have ADHD, you can't do that. The more severe it is, the less you can do that. Like the car going on outside. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Like you, you're aware of, 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 and it's not like it's all sensory stimuli. So like the way the chair and floor feels when you're sitting can, like, distract you. Distraction is the wrong word, but, like, it, it, it interrupts the things that are happening. Yeah. Um, so, like, that diagnosis made me feel less crazy, and that helped a lot. Um, um, you can't self-diagnose yourself. I have always known I've had depression. It has been super obvious my whole life, but actually going to someone and getting a word for it and having them explain, like, it's probably dysthemia. Um... Dysthemia is constant low-grade depression. Mm -hmm. um, I think I've told you this before. Oh, I just know. <laughs> oh, okay. oh, cool. Most people don't. I'm like, I have dysthemia. What is that? It is constant low-grade depression. You come and across that when you're looking up, like, what's, like, baby bipolar? <laughs> yeah, it's. I, I actually have noticed I have manic, I have manic spells. Um, like, it'll, they'll be precluded. They'll be uh, preluded, rather, or um, framed with um, a little bit of insomnia. And then I'll have this, like, manic day or two where I am super active and capable and, like, ape shit. <laughs> and then I'll fall off and I'll be really depressed. Um, but usually it's just, um, it's kind of, like, if most people, if on a scale of 1 to 10, best day is 10. You know, people can have, like, 6, 7s, or 8s, or even 9s. Um, I usually can have about 5 days fine i was like that's pretty decent yeah. how's your day fine you got the promotion yeah whatever like it doesn't matter like no matter how good stuff happens i'll still feel kind of like mm. um, but anyway yeah both of those diagnoses definitely helped me like be okay in my skin and understand myself more and um experiment with a lot of drugs <laughs> um various ways of moderating them um, I'm still working on like finding the proper answer to really function with them, um, like highly function, but I am at least like capable with them now, you know, I haven't had a, haven't had a day where I've been so sad I can't get out of bed in a while. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Good. Yeah. So, ha okay. Since you have this going on and I, <laughs> um, how do you know? When you are happy. I don't. Or like as much as you could be. Okay. Yeah, I actually don't. Um, All right. I, I, people have been like, you've been happy before. A lot of my emotions for a long time were like really cleverly calculated <laughs> to like make people not uncomfortable. Okay. Because if I just go in with the, um, when do I feel like I'm the worst person in the room? If I go into the room f presenting how I actively feel all times that kind of dull monotone not robotic but like 
detached. It's like you're constantly muffled. Yeah. If I do that, people get uncomfortable. And if I do anything impulsive or say anything to make them upset, me actively not being upset makes it seem like I don't give a shit. It does. Yeah. <laughs> and it also makes them more pissed off than not getting pissed off. Because then, like, why would I pick a fight if I'm not pissed off? Or if I don't want to pick a fight, like... But I'm not, like, angrily rebutting them, so clearly I, I do want to piss them off. It's like when I'm late for things, too. Like, clearly he doesn't give a shit, or clearly he didn't want this job, or clearly he's being, like, Joseph's being Joe again. Like, sometimes it's really hard for me to get out of the house. Sometimes it's really hard for me to, like, get out of my room to, like, go get my body ready to be not stinky in public. Um... And by the same thing, like, I mean, there's... Some people try to be unstinky, and, and they fail, fail so, so bad. Does it super matter? Um, <laughs> and it's yeah. just, like, like yeah, like, so, like, these diagnoses and these, like, they, they help, they've helped me understand those things, but on the same, in the same way, like, I'm aware that they have actively blocked me from, like, understanding when i felt happy i felt content with people and i've been glad to be in their presence but um is that kind of the best you can get yeah kind of it's kind of <laughs> as good as it gets it's really fucking depressing yeah i don't really i don't really <laughs> like i think it's why i'm so scared of writing sometimes um because that is a time where i can go and if i really give myself to it like i won't get a job and I won't like leave. Mm. Like I'll just do that thing because mm. then at least I don't have yeah. to. I don't have to think about how shitty things are or what things feel like. I can just write about them instead and tell a story about it. I mean, art is therapy. You have to. Yeah. You, know, you have to create in order to be okay. Yeah, I think that's why I've been not that okay for like 2011. I think that's why a lot of people have been not that okay for a long time. And I think this, um, talking about, talking about the white man for a while. Um, let's go back to how awful they are. This group of friends I know, group of friends are in quotation marks, um, regularly bashes artists, says, why don't they get a real job or sell out? Or, yeah. And they, <laughs> they do not, they are all engineers, computer programmers. One's a psychologist. They actively do not understand what it's like to have a mental illness, what it's like to be creative, and why those people chose hard jobs. And they also don't actively understand how that mindset of get another job, why you and just have that be your hobby until you make it big, why that actively does not work. Have it be a hobby until you make it big. Yeah. You, so many problems with that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They actively don't understand why they're wrong. And you can't tell them they're wrong because they are white men who have either decided that it's not worth it to try to fight the injustice and just drink it away, or they're not aware of it. Like, they're wrong on every level, and you can't talk to them about that. And if you do, they will make fun of you. This is... A, it's, it's, I don't want to talk about that. I'll just get pissed off at them all. What do you really like about yourself? I love the gaps in silence that have happened when I ask this question so far. Do you think part of do you think part of the silence is because how do I not seem like a self conceited asshole? People are thinking, or do you think part of part of the silence is like because people don't like themselves ever, and people are 
never have liked themselves throughout human history or are trained to not like themselves? Or do you think um, part of the silence is because people are like, what's my best trait? And then like smiling about it because they think they're so good. I um, I think my will. I'm talking a lot about impulsivity mm-hmm. and um, like feeling sad and um, like control, lack control and like a hula ahura right like i had control and i panicked and i thought which one is it and i just said the one that i thought of immediately (laughs) um i think my willpower um i i have endured a lot of minor in the grand scheme of things but like If, if I can carry, like, this innate sadness all the time, like, I don't know. I, 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 I think that's one of my best features. Like, I'll, I'll I like. This kind of endurance. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I remember in college one time, um, this is when, um, a good friend and I became good friends finally for like, like we had like fallen out, but then she got a hold of me and she was in charge of the theater. And she was like the theater manager. And she, um, she was like, no one's showing up for work. The play starts tomorrow. And I'll be like, and I said, I will be right there. So we pulled a 16 hour shift, slept for four hours and pulled a 12 hour shift. Just the two of us. And we built the whole set. Damn. Yeah. And like no one showed up and then I got a job there and it was great. <laughs> But, like, like, I don't know. We were tired at the end, but at no point did I think to myself, like, this sucks. I want to go to sleep. Like, just mm. endurance. Yeah. I I, I kind of pride myself on it, which, which makes it really frustrating for me when I do actually have to, like, take a break. If anything, if, if you want to boil it down to something that's not willpower or endurance, like, drive. Mm. Like... Things are complicated for me right now, and it's really difficult to like focus through some things. But like, I still have that like momentum, and I can I can feel it bubbling, much like that bread. <laughs> he made some delicious bread: <laughs> apple and cinnamon and raisins. Yeah, and raisins. Right, soda bread. It was very good. Thank you. Yeah. And the last question: Is there any theme in your life that you're currently dealing with or preoccupied with? But that's all of them. That's all. <laughs> Yeah, we talked about that at the beginning. Yeah, it's all yeah. of them. Like, no matter what I do, um, bullying keeps coming back into my life. Either I'm watching someone get bullied and I have to give them, like, I have to remind them, like, hey, you can tell that person to eat a dick. Or, hey, don't treat your fucking employee that way. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you're signing my paycheck. Um, which I have done repeatedly and gotten in trouble for because just because you own a business or a manager does not give you permission to treat people that way. And... If I have to take a pay cut or change jobs because I call you out on it, I do not care. You are still not in the right. Um, but I said they were bullying, willpower, and sadness. Sorrow. Yeah, that's ever-present. Sorrow. I became it's, it's Canadian. Never going to not go away. And, um, yeah, part of part of um, dealing with impulses is dealing with, is like making your will known. Not in like a Nietzschean way. It could be in a Nietzschean way. Nietzsche is kind of a complex kettle of fish, but... Kettle of fish. Yeah. 
Ew. Bucket, bucket of worms. <laughs> all twisted up. A gross bucket. <laughs> yeah. All of them. But I mean, that's true of any theme, right? They're always going to be ever-present. So it makes them a theme. Yeah. yeah it, it would be interesting to have someone ask me that again in like 10 years. See if my answers are the same. I think they would be tried to boil them down but i think it would be interesting yeah. to have it asked every 10 years or so to see if they remain the same there's there's this idea of like solving problems and like you can never solve your problems that's the fucking thing it's like unless they're really small but if it's like you can only manage <laughs> you know i try to think of it like self-improvement and bettering yourself is just a constant project it's, yeah. it's not like building a house or no. cleaning a house. It's not like tending a business or writing a novel or painting a picture. It is unlike all of those things completely. And it's similar in some ways, but it's not. And, you know, just trying to, like you're an egg. One day you'll hatch. It won't be while you're alive. You have to keep that as safe as you can why you are alive. Why did we become eggs? Oh, because when you're bettering yourself, like, you're going to come out of that. You're going to mm -hmm. come out of all the garbage and shit and things you have to make better, but it never stops. You never stop yeah. making yourself better. Yeah. The so, thing about being a person is, like, it's always a work in progress and you're always as finished as you could ever be at that moment. Yeah, exactly. Okay. That's, what I, that's why I said it's like you're an egg because if, like... The egg, when it hatches, it's not an egg anymore. So if you ever stop being an egg... Did you watch Garfield and Friends? Yes, I did. <laughs> is that from... Is that from oh, well, there's like a half-hatched egg character. Oh, there the is. Legs are, uh, oh. Sheldon, right? Sheldon, he's the best. <laughs> I remember him now. Yeah, when, did you, when you, you stop, you, when you hatch, you stop being an egg. So it's like you're an egg. And maybe that egg hatches some point when you die. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe stuffs existing completely but someone fries it yeah you don't want to get it fried i try not to get whoa hi dog hi puppy well that's enough of that right. and that finishes part two again if you'd like to hear more of joe rambling on his podcast is called let's watch that instead creating TV and movie pitches based on crappy Netflix blurbs. Thank you for listening. I'm Teresa Francesca, and I have been the worst person in this room. <laughs>